Oh, just take another hit of your Chinese vape, Jimmy. tonight and it's already dated ladies and gentlemen welcome to the forbidden door show review here at channelattitude.com the hameen media group i am your host dr jargo p h d for those who don't know i am the new japan scholar around these parts and i'm joined by the covid kid the man from down under he's the gag from the pwc ladies and gentlemen the forbidden door bot jimmy t <laughs> welcome back to your show my friend how are things i'm good man i'm very good i'm just pumped to get your thoughts on the Forbidden Door, Jago? You know, I have a lot of thoughts on the Forbidden Door. We're going to go through the entire card. Uh, I, I do want to start, though, uh, with the main event. Um, the main event, John Moxley becomes the interim AEW World Heavyweight Champion, even though that interim word seems like it's getting used less and less around these parts. Um Jimmy, I thought the match was really good. I thought that it delivered. Unfortunately, it was on a card that was much more athletic and way more stimulating for the crowd. I thought the crowd was probably the biggest story of this show. They were really, really hot at the beginning. They kind of tired out. How do you feel, Hiroshi Tanahashi, John Moxley? Did they hold the crowd? Because the crowd didn't seem as into it as I had hoped they would be. But I can't tell... Was that a result of the match, or was that just the result of a tired crowd? I think it's a little bit of both, actually, Jago, because to be fair, the match did start off pretty slow initially. But, but, but I mean, for, for somebody like yourself, for like me, I, I, I've been watching the Ace for years. I know you're a New Japan fan as well. You've been watching Absolutely. Tanahashi for years. 
this was exactly the match I expected these two guys to have. I mean, like, I was not disappointed in the match whatsoever. It was just after that entire card of insane athleticism that we saw on this show, or Osprey and Orange Cassidy, a perfect a example. That was a great right? match. I'm not sure this was the right main event for this show, even though I thought the match was really good. I thought the match was great too, but I think the four-way should have been the main, in my opinion. Like, it should have been the main 100%. But... I agree, but I, I, I feel like for these Forbidden Door shows, and it sounds like they're working on the second one already, but the second one will be in Japan. I feel like the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship headlines that show no when they do a show here in the States. I do feel that it is proper to headline with the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. That just seems logical, even though I agree I would have rather the four-way been the main event. No doubt about it. But I will say one thing. Halfway through the Tanahashi-Moxley match, you did suddenly have the fans turn on Moxley. And I dare say it's, it felt like go-away heat, in my opinion. And everyone started chanting, go ace. And I'm not talking about Moxley either. But why? That's what I don't understand is why. Because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out... Did John Moxley lose the fans during this match? And he didn't do anything that John Moxley doesn't normally do, right? Or yeah, no, did right. or did Hiroshi Tanahashi just win over the fans because he's the ace of the universe and everybody was pulling for Tanahashi to win because it's the same boring Moxley that we've been watching for years at this point. Like I don't feel like Moxley lost them. I feel like the ace took them. Oh, absolutely. That was a great point. No doubt about it. I mean, come on, man. First of all, like you said, it's the same old Moxley, right? I mean... I mean, Moxley is going to be received tonight on AEW Dynamite the same way that he was last week on AEW Dynamite and the week before and the week before. People like Moxley. Babyface, heel, it doesn't really matter. They just like Moxley because... He's a no-bullshit kind of red-blooded American from Ohio who just wants to go to work and beat people up and then go home to his hot wife. That's the John Moxley character. I'm down with that. You're down with that. We all wish we were John Moxley, right? Like we all, But in a weird, fucked-up sort of way, we all are John Moxley. And so people take to Moxley, but then you have this rock star come walking in the building and he performs like the ace of New Japan pro wrestling, like Tanahashi always does whenever you're like, Tana, listen, I know that you only have 45 minutes notice, but the guy in the main event can't make it tonight. Can you go out there and give us a four and a half star match? Yep, because I'm the fucking ace of the universe. And Absolutely. I mean, he went out and he did Tanahashi things. He did, but you know what? I thought it was actually a better match by Tanahashi standards. It was a typical Tana match, don't get me wrong. But I felt it was a lot better from him this time around than his, say, his past three, four matches, even longer. Well, when you get a motivated ace, it definitely matters. I mean, we've seen him do this time and time again, where something happens, you need somebody to fill in, and it turns out to be the ace. He was actually prepared for this match. I mean, if anything, Tanahashi might have been holding back those last couple matches because he knew he had to go be Hiroshi Tanahashi, the ace of the universe in Chicago on an international stage representing New Japan Pro Wrestling. Like, I I would not put that at all past Tanahashi. 
I just thought the blend of styles was, I agree, much better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, they 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 gelled, dude. I mean, they really did. And I mean, it just shows that Tanahashi can do any style, man. If he oh, wants yeah. to do um, that American style, he can. If you want to do that, you know, strong style, Japanese style, or New Japan style to be specific, he can. I mean, the guy is the ace and for so a reason. so can Moxley. I mean, to be so fair, can so yeah, can it's Mox. True. It's true. And he's had a fair bit of experience now in Japan as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely, man. And for whatever reason, these two gelled. But I just do feel like, and even, look, you and I both knew that Mox was going to win, right? But yeah. damn it, I wanted Tana to win. I was pulling for him. And man, he looked great, like, like, like we're saying. It's amazing to me, and I got to thinking about this the other day, how long Tanahashi has been doing this. A long and, time. I mean, to to really put into context, I'm, I'm going to look up when he was a young lion, like what years, because we've got to be, his early years, 1999 to 2003. Yeah, Right, um, right. So he's been doing this now for 20 years. We're on 20 wow. years of the ace. Um, wow. And he wasn't always the ace, of course. He's learned a lot through the course of the years. But the way that he has adapted his style over the course of those 20 years, because he has slowed down. His knees are shot. They even talked sure. about that on the commentary. He's not okay. the young spry Tanahashi that he used to be, although we're going to talk about him again earlier in the show. <laughs> yeah. Um. How long can Tanahashi continue this? Because, I mean, Tanahashi is not a young man at this point. Hiroshi Tanahashi is 45 years old. How long can Hiroshi Tanahashi sustain this? Wow, 45. I didn't think 45. He's the same age as John Cena. (laughs) Wow, even Cena, it blows my mind. 45. Yeah. God damn it. To well, me, that's the dream match, by the way. That's the real forbidden door. John Cena versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. That's always been my dream match. I've been talking about it for years. I'd love to see it. And it would be really freaking good. And it would be really good in a New Japan uh, ring, in my opinion. It would be great yeah. to see Cena actually take that sort of, uh, you know, cross the, the the waters. But, I mean, could it, could it possibly happen? Really? Could it possibly happen one day? Um, I mean, it's pro wrestling. You never say never, especially yeah. when, you know, Warner Media is hooked up with TBS, TNT, and Peacemaker is made by Warner Media. So, I mean, True. you never say never. I mean, there is a doorway to get there, but it is the real forbidden door. Like, Absolutely. John Cena to Roshi Tanahashi, it's not going to happen. But boy, that's the dream match. Oh, it'd be awesome. And I know a lot of listeners probably, and in particular, maybe Jeff Lippman, if he's if he's watching right now, he's probably rolling his eyes like, really? Oh, it'd be amazing. It'd be, it'd be Both of those guys know how to work an audience. Not so oh. much the in-ring at this point, especially with, with John Cena. I mean, he was always limited in the ring. But the psychology and the way they would lay out that match, I guarantee you it would be the match of the year. I it guarantee would, absolutely, it. Absolutely. And like you said, and going back to the Moxley matchup with Tanahashi, that's what that match done, man. It told a story. It, it, and to me, it reminded me a lot of Brett Austin, but not the same thing, not to that extent. But in the sense where the blood and then, you know, the fans turning on Moxley and cheering for Tanahashi, it reminded me a lot about, about that match with the Austin-Brett match, but not in the same sort of instance, if you know what I'm saying. But as far, but I would love to see one day John Cena versus 
Hiroshi Tanahashi, it would be an absolute build and it would be one hell of a match. Oh, it'd be epic. It'd be epic. Not even Okada. Like Okada versus Cena would be too much like The Rock versus Cena. Right? right like right, Tanahashi versus Cena. That's the match I want. That's the match I want. Um, oh, let's talk about the, the post-match BS because I feel like the post-match BS absolutely took away from what would have been it. a completely fine main event if they just would have went off the air with both of them bowing to each other, that was the way to go off the air. But no, instead we get the Jericho Appreciation Society. We get an angle for blood and guts this Wednesday. I was afraid of this. Um, it was so unnecessary, Jago. It was. And it makes Tanahashi look bad. It does, because he's just sitting there while no one's touching him. Well, no, because they were beating on Tanahashi, too. Like, they first attacked oh, Tanahashi, and then they hit they, Moxley, okay. right? But, but Tanahashi was the one with his back to them, right? right, right. So the, the Jericho appreciation, they're coming for Moxley, but they took out Tanahashi in the meantime. Hiroshi Tanahashi should open Dynamite tonight and go Pretty walking right. up to John Moxley <laughs> and say, I want in blood and guts. Oh, be awesome. I want I, I want my honor back. They disrespected me. I already don't like Jericho from the match that we had in the Tokyo Dome. I want in this match, somebody from your team has to sit out. Is there any talk of any New Japan wrestlers appearing on Dynamite tonight? Not but that I've I heard. Think they, they're probably already on the plane back to Japan. If not, they're already there. But it makes Tanahashi look bad because not only it would does. Hiroshi Tanahashi do that, the character, the ace of the universe would do that and give me a high fly flow off the top of the cage because he's the ace of the universe. Absolutely. And and, and what I don't understand, why does TK always love blowing his load in one hit, man? This, the the post-match was awful. I hated everything about this. it. No. They didn't need to do this and it was just really like shitty childish carny type of shit at the end it was a dusty finish except it wasn't really the finish of the match if you know what i mean but like we didn't need all this fun it didn't even make sense while tana was there sure mox is in the match but so what had nothing to do yeah. with blood and guts no. they even really need to build think about it they're building off a pay-per-view for tv which is even pointless um yes in and my no. opinion yes well, and no because I, I feel like the Western TV and the amount of money that the TV companies are giving to the pro wrestling companies, you look at SmackDown getting a billion dollars, NBC Universal right, giving right. out $1.2 billion for Monday Night Raw. Now, while Dynamite's not getting anywhere remotely close to that, the most money they are going to make this year is going to come from their TV rights. So in a weird way, especially in WWE, but even more so at AEW at this point, you are selling the TV because that's where your money's coming from. You want to spike a rating coming out of the pay-per-view, especially with ratings down the last couple of weeks. Right, and technically I agree with you if it was on TV, but because it's a pay-per-view, more than likely, and I dare say 90%, more like more than likely those people that bought the pay-per-view are, are already tuning in anyway right. that's right. what i mean by yep. it, it's a pointless sort of advertisement oh i agree it was build, pointless right. but i i do understand like especially like wwe at this point is making so much more money off of tv than they are off of anything else no, that yeah. yeah they are using the pay-per-views to sell you on watching seven freaking hours worth of wwe programming and that's why 
when I stopped watching WWE for about a year before that, all I would watch were the pay-per-views because WWE does amazing video packages that seem redundant if you're watching the seven hours worth of TV. But I saved myself having to watch the seven hours of TV. I could watch one obnoxiously long four-hour pay-per-view and I'm all caught up. It's like a soap opera. Like you cannot (laughs) watch it for 15 years. You tune in and you're like, oh, those people are still fucking. Yep, yeah. I'm all and caught up. I didn't miss anything. <laughs> and that's what WWE's always been good at, man, which AEW should actually take a page from, no doubt about it, man. You're right. Yeah, AEW, I think if you stopped watching for a year and jumped back in, you would know all the characters, but they would be in different places. Whereas yeah, with WWE, <laughs> it's just yeah. like, oh, yep, all You're caught right. up. Didn't miss nothing. Absolutely correct, man, for sure. Let's talk about your co-main event of the evening, the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. Switchblade Jay White retains against the Rainmaker Kazushka Okada, Hangman Adam Page, and Adam Cole, Bebe. Bebe. Um, (laughs) This was kind of weird. Um, weird indeed because i was enjoying the match i you know i'm listening to yourself and jeff lipman after forbidden door immediately following right so you get that initial reaction right right um and he was saying that you know kazushka okada looked lethargic i didn't get that as i I was watching it um (laughs) i I didn't get that at all uh, I, I thought Okada looked like, you know, the, the biggest star that was in that <laughs> ring all night and presented as the biggest star. The, the pop for Okada was ridiculous. Thank you. Uh, Thank the Claudio you. pop was really, really good. And the Claudio pop might have been louder, but give it about three weeks and it won't be. Um, that Okada pop was Huge. Pretty impressive. It was much bigger than the Tanahashi or the Moxley Ooh. pop. Uh, the Switchblade J White pop was missing. Um, I yeah, don't understand that. that. Uh, Hangman Adam Page got about the pop that I expected because people just are not into Hangman right now. Um, <laughs> and I, I feel bad for Hangman because I don't. I feel like nobody was damaged more by the pandemic than Hangman Adam Page. He was red hot going into the pandemic, and then boom, you take all the fans away, and what the hell do you do? Um, I I thought the match was really really good, and then the finish happened, and I was like, wait, what? Um, yeah. And now we're hearing that Adam Cole is suffering not only from a partially torn labrum, which we knew going into the match, he never should have been cleared for the match. He should have never even been in this match uh, because he was going into it injured, which is why he hasn't wrestled on TV at all in the buildup to the way that they have done this and why I feel like if Cole could have been in the ring during the build to this, I feel like the build would have been done differently. I don't know if it would have been better, but I feel like that it would have at least been done differently. Um, Switchblade, I thought, looked great in this match. I knew he was winning as soon as he came out in the red. I should have changed my pick him over at NoDQ.com as soon as I saw that he was wearing red trunks because he never loses in the red trunks. What did you make of this match? Uh, and kind of what does this mean for AEW going forward? Because I thought the story inside of this was going to have to do with Hangman and Cole coming out of it as far as the AEW side goes. You take Adam Cole away from the picture for at least a while, I hope. Where does that leave Hangman Adam Page? 
in limbo. That's where it leaves Hangman Adam Page. I mean, let's be honest. Where do you put him right now? Where does he go? I mean, does he go to Japan? I mean, where does he go? Like, really? Where does I, he go? I don't know. I, and, and Hangman's really the one that I don't get because I Jay and Okada obviously go on to the G1 climax and right. whatever happens in the G1 happens in the G1. Um, if Cole is out for a while, who knows where he ends up when he comes back because the, the fluctuation of AEW is such. But Hangman, I have no idea where he goes at this point. No clue. Well, really it's it's really that difficult where we can see him where he's going to be placed i mean i guess he segues into some sort of feud with someone if you want to call it a feud i mean yeah i don't really know where you go with hangman does he go for the all-atlantic championship have a little thing with puck maybe Uh, who knows we'll see what happens on dynamite no less but as far as the match goes i felt exactly like you did dude love the match Okada did get a monster pop. I don't care what you say, Jeff. I don't know what you were hearing, but it definitely well, wasn't especially that. because I didn't see the mash itself until about a half hour before we started broadcasting today. Right, right, right. So it, it's really, really fresh. But I'm, I'm expecting to be disappointed by the Okada pop, and I wasn't. Like the coin <laughs> dropped, and I was like, oh shit, here we go. And I was saying that to you. Okay, trust me. When you watch it, when I was doing my show with Jeff. And I was saying it to you, like on on the air, like, dude, trust me, don't listen to him. He's got it. He's got it all wrong. Okada got a massive pop. And to me, I think it was even bigger in a sense than than even Claudio Costagnoli's, in my opinion. Just, I mean, I I think they're different because they are different. People were cheering Claudio for a multitude of different reasons, and mostly because they're just happy to see him, like. Let, let's see Claudio sustain that pop for a decade, and then I will mention him in the same breath as Kazuchika Okada again. Thank you, because cause, Kazuchika Okada's no shit, especially with the Western audience. Not everyone, because there's a lot that are big fans of Okada, just like you and I. But um, I feel like he's so underrated in the West, but at the same time, he's not to the people that, that they're in the know, because Okada truly is one of the best professional wrestlers in all of professional wrestling, I mean, even Stone Cold Steve Austin thinks so, and even yeah. JR legitly thinks so. That's something. And you know why? Why is that, Jago? Vince Russo. <laughs> Honest to God. Honest to God. If you ask Kazuchika Okada why he translates to a Western audience and most Japanese pro wrestlers don't, the answer is Vince Russo. And his time, his time in, his time in TNA. TNA. Right, I knew you were going there. Okada learned how to work cameras from Vince Dude. Russo. So he works cameras very much the way a Western performer does. So he translates to the Western audience more than the Japanese pro wrestlers because they don't work cameras. The cameras work pro wrestling in Japan. Right, right. That like the cameras film it like a sporting event. The cameras are following the action. Dude, whereas right. in the West, you're constantly playing to the cameras. Exactly. And Okada does that. Nobody else does that. And that's why Okada translates different. Whereas most Japanese pro wrestling does not. Vince Russo. You're actually right. And whether Vinny Roo uh, doesn't realize it or not, even though when you think about it, he was used pretty bad in TNA and actually left a bad taste in New Japan's 
mouth, which it took him years. Jimmy, but we're on channel attitude. We're supposed to be True. plugging Vince Russo True. here. That's like, a, hey, like, like let me sing Ru Russo's <laughs> praises, damn it. There's a sentence I never thought would ever come out of my mouth. Absolutely. Never once. Shout out to Vinny Roo. Shout we out love to you, Vinny man. Love you. Oh, fantastic. Uh, let's oh, keep shit. working backwards and, and, and talk about Claudio. Um, well, because I, I think Claudio is one of the biggest stories coming out of this show. Unfortunately, it's not the match with Zack Sabre Jr. That was the big story. It's just the fact that Claudio's there and Tony Khan gave him a hug. Uh, oh. that, that that ridiculous Mark shit's got to stop, Tony. I'm it's just stop, saying. Bro. It's got to stop. When you are a grown-ass man hanging, uh, hugging another grown-ass man in tears just because he signed with your company, Mark shit's got to stop, Tony. You're going to turn me into virtue over at NoDQ.com. I mean, <laughs> this shit's got to stop. That was awful. Uh, I very much enjoyed the match, though, with Claudio and Zack Sabre Jr. What did you think of the matchup? It was a good match, but for whatever reason, I sort of uh, zoned out during the match with this man. I don't know. It was, it was okay. It was good. I mean, obviously they've got a lot of history. Them too. I mean, they've wrestled like three times, I believe, in the past, from back in the day as well. Way back. But, I mean, I liked it. Right. But it just felt like a typical Cesaro match, really, man. How did it feel from the Zack Sabre Jr. perspective? Because Zack is one of those guys like Osprey, who we'll talk about here in a minute. Um, this was kind of his big debut on American TV. Like, I mean, I know Zack did the Cruiserweight Classic, but that was still on the network and, and it wasn't watched by that many people. Um, I know he's done some Ring of Honor stuff, but it was on Sinclair Television. It wasn't watched by right. that many people. Uh, this was his big introduction to the American wrestling fan who has heard the name Zack Sabre Jr., but never seen him work. How did this translate for you after, you know, watching years of Zack and what he does? It wasn't a typical Zack Sabre Jr. match, dude, to me, man. It just didn't feel that way, but it was, it was all right. I mean, he still was able to, you know, work with Cesaro. I mean... They were good together. If anything, I felt like Cesaro should have come in. I hate to say because I'm a big Zack Sabre Jr. fan, right? But really, Cesaro should have come in, or should I say Cosignoli, should have came in, done his thing, do the big spin, one, two, three, that's it, over. In my opinion, that's how it should have gone. But instead, we got, what, like 10 minutes, 12 minutes? Yeah, something like that. So, I mean, it can't be too bad for Zack Sabre Jr., right? So, I guess he did all right for himself. But I've just felt like if you really wanted to book Cesare Strong or Costagnoli, you've got to get used to that. Oh, yeah. You, they should have gone that route. But that's just me. For me, I, I felt like Zack Sabre Jr. was a pussy. Yeah, um, he did. He did come I mean, like, that. the technical wrestling when he was grappling with Cesaro looked really good. Like, it was a typical Zack Sabre more. Jr. thing. But... Like, none of his strikes did anything to Cesaro, Claudio, whatever you want to call him, right? Like, yeah. it was no cell city. Oh, there you go. There you go. There's the picture where it's just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I mean, this shit's got to stop. <laughs> like, that shit's got to stop. That's just terrible. That's terrible. As, as Charles Barkley would say, it's just terrible. Um, like, I mean... Zach's throwing like Tai Chi style freaking hip kits like straight into Cesaro's chest, like five, six of them. And I felt like I'd never seen a Zack Sabre Jr. match before. Like, it, I don't know how to explain it. It was like we went back in time. 
Like this was the Zack Sabre Jr. that I remember I started watching like five, six years ago <laughs> when he first debuted in New Japan. Right, right. Before he built up his reputation and put on some muscle and suddenly these kicks actually meant something and Tai Chi taught him the Kawato kicks and like there was like this whole story to it and I feel like, boom, I just went back in time like six years and none of that matters because none of them did anything to claudia nothing and really what does that make zsj look like by going backwards like that a makes pussy. Him look like a bitch boy right exactly so i don't understand why that if they Didn't were gonna like do that. that shit no neither did i and if they were gonna do that then they should have gone with the quick friggin win for for costagnoli oh that would have been great know? That would Absolutely. have been great. And then Zach could have cried about it, about how he Hell wasn't yeah. prepared because they didn't even tell him who his opponent was. And right. him calling to see Brian Danielson's medical records, <laughs> I think it's just absolutely fantastic. Absolutely. I mean, like, yeah, Zach will be fine. But I just, I did not like the presentation of Zach Sabre Jr. here. Just Neither did I. Didn't and it's a shame because this match could have had so much more potential, really. Right, yeah. if they actually went with it properly, yeah, but it didn't. Let's talk about another match that I thought was kind of ruined by the post match shenanigans. Will Ospreay retains his pretend IWGP <laughs> United States Championship, uh, over Orange Cassidy. Uh, and I thought this was probably the match of the night. Um, I said the same thing, Jago. I said it on my show and, as well, and Jeff scoffed at me, and um. It is. It really was. I mean, the crowd was so hot for this match. And I mean, it, you're looking for the match of the night. It's it's when the people had their most fun, right? And I, I feel like it was Will Ospreay and Orange Cassidy as much as it kind of makes me sick. But I mean, <laughs> right, this, me was, this is the Orange Cassidy that a lot of us know is out there because we saw the independent scene stuff. We saw the Chikara stuff. And we know like Orange Cassidy can freaking go. Um, and if, if this is the introduction to that Orange Cassidy, if we're going to go a little bit more serious with him, I have heard that they're going to license Jane for his entrance theme and get rid really? of where is my mind. So, like, maybe we're shifting gears with Orange Cassidy a little bit. Um, and I'm, I'm down with that because the shtick is just over to me. But I oh, know it is what it is. Osprey, much like Zack Sabre Jr., is the name on the lips and hearts of all pro wrestling fans who don't watch Japanese pro wrestling, but they know who Will Osprey is. Even if they haven't seen him, they've seen clips. What did you think of Will Osprey and his presentation in this match? Because I thought Will looked great. First of all, how much has Will Osprey grown as a professional wrestler? Seriously, I'm saying that because he, I'm being honest here, he carried Orange Cassidy. Absolutely. Match. Well, and that's why I keep saying, like, like, right, Dante Martin, sit and take notes because you remind <laughs> yeah. me of Osprey. Like, if you if you would just evolve right now into what Osprey is, you'll have a great career. You don't have to go through the whole like stupid shit, break your neck, you oh, know, yeah. and 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 force you to slow down. Like, just do it like now because Osprey is just on another level right now. He's so fucking good, man. And and really, he made Orange look like a million bucks. He really did, man. That's how good Osprey looked. That's how much he impressed me at Forbidden Door. And that's how much he's grown as a professional wrestler. Yep. There's, there's another guy on the show that we're going to talk about that 
he's he's that close. If he just go the rest of the way, he might he might be something. Orange Cassidy, I thought was really really good in this match. Yeah. I thought this was a nice blend of the shtick along with, oh yeah, I I can do things when I want to, which I thought Absolutely. was. Absolutely hilarious. If you didn't see the exchange between Orange Cassidy and Will Ospreay on Twitter, go search that one out. That was great. Will Ospreay basically saying, all the dream matches I could have had and I got you. Be grateful. <laughs> you know? That's <laughs> like <laughs> That's brilliant, man. That is absolutely brilliant. He's, uh, but I'm, it was I'm, really good. It was yeah. really good. And I said it even on my show. I'll go, call me crazy, but this match was the match of the night. It was really the match still. I mean, the... It was match of the night easy. It stole, it stole the friggin' night for me, man. And 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 believe me, I'm not the biggest Orange Cassidy fan. No, but I got to call it how I see it, man. And that's the truth. It, for me, Orange Cassidy is just too much shtick and not enough of what we saw in this match. If he right. was like this all the time, I'd be fine with it. Um, what I was not fine with was the post match angle. Uh, Osprey's goons, Aussie Open, come down for some reason because all of a sudden, after beating him in a match, Osprey needs backup against Orange Cassidy, which doesn't make any sense to begin with. Uh, Rapungi Vice comes out to make the save. They get beat down too. And then Shibata comes out. Wow. And it's a great moment. And I understand why people are so happy to see Cassatori Shibata. Shibata doesn't belong to chaos. Shibata's not part of the best friends. Like the only logical like jump that I can make, you have to be in a meta level of pro wrestling to the point that, you know, Rocky Romero is one of the assistant trainers at the LA dojo that Shibata runs because new Japan won't let him wrestle anymore. You have to be into this bubble so deep that you know who the trainers are at the LA dojo to draw a parallel to why Shibata would come out and make the save for Rapunky Vice. I didn't like any of this, but I'm pretty open about the fact that I do not want to see Katsushori Shibata wrestle ever again, let alone against somebody like Will Ospreay, where, you know, that hidden blade, if he would hit that on Katsushori Shibata... There's at least a 80% chance Shibata will die from that move. It's like, crazy, bro. And, and, it's and that's crazy. not an overstatement. No, it's not. It's not. I don't want to see it. I don't do it. And, and New Japan, stop letting him do it. And AEW, don't encourage him. I oh, know. Tell me about it. You know what's weird, man? Well, not weird, but could, you could tell he was actually emotional when he came out, dude. Oh, I love the pop. I'm happy Shibata got that moment. There's a million ways you could have worked the head trainer at the LA dojo onto this show. <laughs> He's itching, bro. But this was not the one He's that we closer. needed. I know you're right, but I just feel like it's getting closer and closer and closer, dude. It's crazy, man. But this is the first time we've seen it since Wrestle Kingdom. When he pulled that stunt, he was supposed to go out and have an exhibition match, and it became a full-on pro wrestling match because Shibata got on the mic right before the match and was like, nope, all that other bullshit, we're throwing it out the window. This is a regular match. Let's go. And had New Japan by the balls, and the match went ahead and happened, and we hadn't seen or heard anything more about it until right now. 
And I had hoped that they had put the kibosh on it. And they're not. It just clearly, I don't know whose idea this was. Obviously, New Japan let him do it. But, and obviously, TK let him do it too. But that's why I say AEW don't encourage him. No, it's true, man. And you could tell he wants to get back in that ring. And which is bad because, unfortunately, with the Japanese wrestlers, man, it's almost an honorable thing to die in the damn ring. Yeah, but I don't want to see it. I don't don't want to see it. And I love Shibata, but no. Me too, man. Nope. And, and don't get me wrong, it felt great hearing his music, but damn it, man. Don't even do it. too much at the end of that match, in my opinion. Don't do it. Well, you know they will. That's the other forbidden door, Jago, I'm telling you, man. And and here's part of the problem, too. I had to ask one of the guys who I was watching Shibata who he was, <laughs> why he was out there, and he didn't have an answer. Exactly. Unless Unless you are inside of that bubble at this point, you don't know who he is. And they didn't tell Same you who problem. he is. Right. They don't. And they, and they continued to never do so. And that's a this failure on the commentary. like it, Commentary, AEW, everything. Oh, I, I I feel like I could do an hour-long show about just why the Shibata thing was off. But, I, but, I but, the thing, like but the thing is, Jago, he's right. Because really, they don't explain anything even on the weekly shows. They just expect you to be in the know and be in that bubble. But they just don't understand they don't listen man they need here's to another one often. my only question the only one i want answered is this an open door or a window with a busted scene because i'd love to see actual programs including the new japan talent rather than the occasional dream match i agree and uh we're, we are going to talk a little bit about that when we get to the tag team scene with ftr winning the iwgp uh heavyweight tag team championships and what that means going forward and because that could be a whole lot of fun, Jimmy T. But we got to keep going through the show. We got to talk about the women's match, Tokyo Joshi versus Stardom. That's really why this match was on this show. Um, because Thunder Rosa, Tokyo Joshi, you know, who AEW works with a lot. Tony Storm, their competition, wonderful world of stardom, which happens to be owned by New Japan Pro Wrestling, but they didn't tell you any of that. Um, instead, there's just a random women's match on the show, and Thunder Rosa defeats Tony Storm. Um, I, 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 these girls went out there and they worked hard. They were they, busting their ass. This was the most strong style match on this show, <laughs> but unfortunately, the match before it was Sting, Darby Allen, and Shingo Takagi versus the Young Bucks and El Fantasmo, and that crowd was gassed. The crowd yeah. just was not into the match, but these girls were busting their ass and the crowd just didn't let him have it nope and you know what this become a trend lately jago with AEW in particular and i feel bad for thunder rosa in particular because the women have been getting booked in a real bad sort of spot every week man lately where the fans just don't care anymore even though they should be but like you said they were gassed out by this point and the two women were absolutely working their asses off but the fans didn't give a shit and i'll be honest jago it made me zone out a little bit too, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you have a hot crowd, it helps an awful lot. You know, it does. But no doubt. But I they were just not Storm into it. I wanted Tony Storm to win too. But, but we knew it wasn't going to happen though. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it is time for it to happen though. Um, should, and, and, yes, and but- my problem with the AEW women's division at this point has nothing to do with the talent and everything to do with where people are slotted. 
Right. Okay. Because Britt Baker should have been a baby face at least six months ago <clears throat> when the DMD thing really started taking off. And at this point, it's almost a parody of a heel um, yeah. because people are so into Britt Baker. She yeah, should have right. lost that title six months before she did. And Thunder Rosa should have been the one to take it off of her when Thunder Rosa was red freaking hot. Red hot. Months red ago. hot. And yeah. instead, they waited and killed the town, and now nobody cares about the AEW women's division. And I'm afraid they're going to do the, the same thing with Tony Storm. Like, I feel like now was the time to put it on Tony Storm. They'll finally do it in, like, November. Yeah. It's well, like they're then, just a step behind everything, and, and they, they can't get out in front of anything. Everything is reactionary inside of the yeah. booking rather than being proactive inside of the booking. You're 100% spot on, dude. And and what's sad, I feel like if they aren't careful, Tony Storm's a bit, like, I don't want to say, lately she's been a bit disenfranchised with professional wrestling, man. Right. If they don't keep her happy, right, she can easily just say, see you later, and I'm 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 out of here. Believe For the me, love man, of God, just, and you can fix Tony Storm like that. Absolutely. All right. All you have to do is license Motley Cruz Kickstart My Heart, have her come out like the female Nikki Six, and just be an ever raging bitch to everybody. Make her the rock star Tony Storm. Because right now, what it, she is, right? Right. But it feels like at this point, it's Tony Storm is playing the character of Tony Storm, starring Tony Storm. And there's like no depth to the character. She's just none. She's playing Tony Storm. Like, right, let right. her give her back that rock star attitude and swagger and just for the love of god get her a motley crew song you're paying all this money for the fucking pixies like no like just get her a fucking motley crew song well <coughs> excuse me if it was up to me i would have had brian danielson come out in the in the europe song the final countdown i heard clearly, that cost way too much right. money well that was my point clearly motley crew's too expensive for tk i don't believe that have you know, seen man. Vince Neil lately? I don't, but he <laughs> needs the money, bro. He well, needs that money. Maybe it's it's Tommy that's holding that shit up. Who knows? Well, Tommy I mean, Tommy, Tommy can hold up anything he wants to. I mean, we, <laughs> yeah. we, we, we've all seen. <laughs> Shout out to Pamela Anderson. Yeah, right? I mean. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, I'm, shit, that's a good call. Oh, my God. Okay. Oh my God, this is great. This is the perfect comparison. What, what's happening? <laughs> yeah, we'd like to do this on the blow-off. You can find the blow-off over at uh, Channel Attitude, the Hameen Media Group, while I upload this overlay for all of you to be visually scarred in the same way that I have been oh, in no, finding please. this. Let's also at theblowoffpod.com. <laughs> at the blow off on Twitter. We do stuff like this on the show all the time. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Who wore it better, Vince Neil or oh, wow. Chris Jericho, ladies and gentlemen? Wow. Look at that gut, bro. Vince Neil needs the money. Vince Neil Jeez. needs the money. You can get kickstart my heart real cheap. Look at that. Just look That's at great. it. That is brilliant, Jago. Damn it, man. How did I not think of that? That was great. That is absolutely great. You got to do a remix 
we you know like the inner you know with like the inner circle right the inner circle video you did do something like that with this man i'm telling you it'll be fucking funny i'm looking to see do we still have the inner circle video is it yeah of course it should still be there Yeah, we've got a four-minute version of that one, too. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Oh, the inner circle. At least Sammy's back. Maybe we can bring back the inner circle video. Fantastic. Let's let's talk about Sting, Darby Allen, and Shingo Takagi. They defeat the Young Bucks and El Fantasmo. Um, you know, as much as Zack Sabre Jr. and Will Ospreay may be the name on the lips and hearts of all pro wrestling fans that have never seen them perform... El Fantasmo's not on that list, but El Fantasmo really like be on that list. Yeah. And he w- did everything that he possibly could to, to make an impression. El Fantasmo is something else. I mean, that guy I love is... him, dude. He's so underrated, in my opinion, man. I don't know. I've been watching him for a few years now. He has the most punchable face in all of professional oh, wrestling. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. he's so good and you want to cheer him, but he is so obnoxious in the Love best it, sort of way. It's a pity that he didn't bring back the loaded boot. If there was ever a time to bring back the loaded boot, which went on for about a year and a half in New Japan land, uh, it was with the Young Bucks, right? For the super kick, right? Like right, right, we, right. We, we got all these shout outs for the Young Bucks and, yeah, and yeah. And I popped for the Bullet Club Young Bucks gear. I actually oh, popped for the stupid gear. OG, we're going back old school, dude. Right. But, man, if there was ever a time to, to give El Fantasmo a little something, a super kick with the loaded boot was his thing for a year and a half. I know, damn it. But they didn't, man. They they missed it. They missed that opportunity. But nevertheless, man, like I said, I love Fantasmo. I've always been a fan of his. He's the real rock and roller, if you know the what I'm saying. The real rock and roller. Rock and roller. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I, I, I love Matt Jackson going through, you know, deja vu flashbacks. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. <laughs> Lots of callbacks for the Bucks. If you were in a young Bucks New Japan fan, uh, it, it was a lot of fun. Sting and Darby did Sting and Darby things. Like Darby throws himself at, at things and Sting uh, jumps it, off of like, incredibly crazy. high things. <laughs> Can we get somebody who's not 63 years old to be jumping off of, like, you know, one-story buildings? And you know what's crazy, man? Sting should be telling these guys to slow down, but instead he's like, fuck it, I'm joining you motherfuckers. I want to see what the what the real big deal is. But I want to say this. Sting, for me, was the star of this matchup. Oh, yeah, by far. And that's not a surprise because Sting was by far the biggest star in this match. I mean, Absolutely. after that, it'd be the Bucks um, and then Darby. <laughs> the one that... I, Probably my disappointment of the show was Shingo Takagi. Um, yeah, it felt like he wasn't even in the match, really. If you know it felt like saying. he was all and also ran in the match. Right, right, like right. he wasn't even really there. Yeah, I know. It's sad, man. But I think for a guy who know, was the MVP of New Japan last year. 
I know it really showed, I don't know if it was himself, if he felt like he wasn't on the level of certain guys. I'm talking about out of respect, right? Which he shouldn't feel that way. But I don't know, it's either that or he just wasn't in the mood, but he really didn't look like well, he belonged in that match for me. I think the other problem was Hiromu Takahashi was supposed to be there. in this match, uh, could not board a plane in Japan because he had a fever. It sounds like Hiromu's going to be fine. Wait, All right. So, I mean, that's the good news. But I, I feel like this match would have been very different. So what they, they have this whole thing planned of this is what we're going to do. And then Hiromu can't get on the plane. And the the guy who doesn't speak any English, the guy right, who right. can't contribute anything to maybe we should do this, happens to be the guy who gets left out of this match. So I'm going to say it right here and right now, clearly... AEW racist against, you know, the <laughs> Japanese pro wrestlers didn't give Shingo shit. Like, the Shingo was... I, I feel bad I for Shingo that he made that trip. So, so do I, man. And you know what? Maybe if Takahashi was there, he would have felt more comfortable, like you said. And clearly because he, he can't really speak English, the communication wasn't all there, and he just had to settle for what he was given. Yeah. Which is sad, man, unfortunately. But he was. He just was in the background. He was there just... But it wasn't there, if you know what I mean. Yep. So I want I want t-shirts printed by the next time we record. Uh <laughs> Justice for Shingo. Justice That's what I Shingo. want. Justice for Shingo. <laughs> we can do Shingo's face all up like the Obama picture. You know what I mean? Hey. That looks like the old obey thing. So we want <laughs> justice for Shingo on a t-shirt. New t-shirt idea. There you Absolutely. go. I'm, That's an awesome shirt. I want him. Justice Absolutely. for Shingo. <laughs> Let's talk about the AEW All-Atlantic Championship. Pac Whoa. defeats Miro, Malachi Black, and the other also-ran guy on this show, Clark Connors. Even though, like, the crowd was so hot this early in the show that even a Let's Go Clark chant breaks out. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm sure everybody was like, who's Clark? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because Tomohiro Ishii was supposed to be in this match, and I was so looking forward to seeing Miro and Ishii square off yeah. in the middle of the ring. Instead, we got Miro and Clark Connors. Uh, they, they, by comparison to Shingo, they gave Clark the fucking. This is the best match of Clark Connors' life. This might be <laughs> the highlight of Clark Connors' career ever. Sure. He looked good, man. He did, and I'm surprised he was thrown into a match which is such high pro you know with such a high profile because don't get me wrong don't get me wrong connor's is going to be great and you know what he's always been sort of touted to be he's the new hangman page he is I, but could he pull off the cowboy shit much better than well, hangman page the thing is right more like, personality to him but you you have to think of this in a japanese context he assigned right. to the to the la dojo for new japan pro wrestling they love that cowboy character they love yeah. that cowboy gaijin whether it's stan hansen whether it's hangman page like 100%. through the course of japanese history they love that fucking cowboy sure. gimmick and they've given it to clark connors obviously well i mean i hope he makes it work because i think he's got so much potential and i've liked him now for a few years myself i mean for the last three years at least what, what what's kind of the ceiling that you see for clark connors does he does he get to join bullet club and be the new hangman the cowboy yeah i mean he could be the cowboy of the bullet club i can see that man yeah the big black hat <laughs> yeah why not i mean kick out juice robinson already bring him in oh, and fucking... have him as the 
Don't we know, didn't even talk about Rock Hard, Juice oh. Robinson. <laughs> that and was the worst promo. the US title. <laughs> the worst fucking promo of 2022 by far out of anybody. I'm telling I you, mean, I've seen some bad ones. That was bad. I just want to say. But Clark Connors, he'll be good. Uh, Malachi, Black, Miro, and Pac, we know how good they all are. Uh, I didn't think Malachi Black was going to win this match, although I am intrigued by the shooting of the Black Mist into Miro, uh, basically costing Miro this match. (laughs) Yes, is is God going to come for Malachi (laughs) Black? And the story that, like, with the Redeemer... And Malachi Black and what his character has been doing, that could be a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely. But you know what I want to see? I want to see him take out all of House of Black by himself, not with some sort of partner or anything like that, one by one. But like, even like if they'd done storyline properly here, right, they could make him sort of take them out, take them all out one by one, stalking them, you know what I mean? Blah, 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 until. We get to Malachi Black, but do it like a slow burn. You know what I'm saying? I, I, he I feel like himself. I, 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 I like everything about that. And then the stipulation is if Malachi Black wins, then Miro okay. has to join the House of Black. Ooh. And if you have the Redeemer oh. inside of the House of Black, <laughs> that could be a lot of fun. Intriguing. Definitely. That could be a becomes- lot of fun. Like the redeemer a, the, of House of Black, right? Yes. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Especially I mean, if we don't know how long Brody King's going to be out of action, that's a real option to give Malachi some muscle. And I mean, you could go either way with that. You I, can. You, uh, yeah, you could definitely. have Miro beat Malachi Black, or you could have Miro join the House of Black. But I like both options. Or do you go the Daniel Bryan sort of pathway when he joined Wyatt's um, to destroy the them? Family? Right, like from the inside, but a real slow burn, though. I don't know. Can, you can go so many ways here, really, the, the, but it. the point is, so Clark Connors is going to go and do his New Japan thing. Malachi Black and Miro, there's a few great stories that you could tell going either way. The one guy who doesn't have anything is Pac. So right, what do we do? Atlantic champion. So what do we do? We give him the fucking belt. That's what we do. Everybody thought Miro was going to win this championship well, and I be off Miro. and running. I, yeah. I, I, well, there's, we all know how good Pac is. And Pac is Teflon inside oh, of the book. Sure. Like you can warm him up like that. Just like that, man. You're right. He's sort of unbreakable in many ways. He man. really is because he right. has so much respect inside of the business and from the fans alike. So from you can beat him. Ultimate respect. You, you can beat him and beat him and beat him and beat him and make the storyline that he's a fucking loser and that's all fine and dandy. If you want him to c- contend for the world title in six weeks, you give him three wins on TV and everybody's like, oh shit, here we go. Like Absolutely. Everybody's just they're waiting for Pac to get that push. He's the guy who has nothing coming out of this match. So we put him over and give him a championship. Somebody's going to want to come for it eventually. So <laughs> Pac's got something now to your first all Atlantic championship. I like the choice, uh, especially as much as Pac likes to go over to the UK. He can defend the belt over there. If we can get yeah. Pac in New Japan to, to defend the title, I'm cool with that. Send him awesome. down to AAA. He can defend the title down there. He'll go great in the Lucha style. 
this is actually a really smart pick and i'm kind of mad at myself that i didn't see it coming me too bro i mean i picked miro right i'm sure as you did and unfortunately it that didn't happen but i wasn't mad at pack winning it i was just like pleasantly surprised i was like it makes total sense coming out of it absolutely i just i didn't see the miro and malachi black thing coming but now it makes total sense that those two guys go off and do their thing and then pat goes this way and does his thing it makes total sense absolutely man and and just i hope they don't screw it up with pack though man and hopefully because you know what's been going on in AEW lately dude everyone who's been winning a championship lately right has been devaluing like them big time look at hangman look at thunder rosa the only title that's really over right now in my opinion that's extremely over maybe except for ftr is your tbs women's championship I well, and we do have Scorpio and Wardlow on the horizon well, for the TNT championship. Wardlow? But, Wardlow? But it, Who's Wardlow? He's that guy who shows up and cuts a promo every other week. Oh, that's right. I, I, I almost forgot about him, Jago. Legitly. Yeah, that's all it takes is like that brief. That brief. Literally. A month. Poof, <laughs> gone. Can you believe that shit? He's ice cold now. They've ruined it. They've yep. ruined it. Yep. Unbelievable. And what do they do tomorrow? Is he is he due to be on Dynamite tomorrow night? I have is no idea. But I, I tell you what, if they do another one of those one-on-twenty handicap matches, you might as well just uh, send the last guy out there with a shovel because that went over <laughs> like a fart in church. <laughs> it sure did. He didn't even pin him properly. No. No. That, that was quite possibly the worst segment in AEW history. You know what was Great. not the worst segment in AEW history? What was that, Jug? The winner-take-all battle for the Ring of Honor and IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championships. FTR defeats the United Empire as well as Rapungi Vice in a three-way championship match. I thought Rapungi Vice looked fantastic in this match. They did. You know Trent is a joke inside of Best Friends and and all of the stupid shenanigans and Trent's mom and all this ridiculous shit. You know Rocky Romero is never presented inside of a serious context. Nobody's ever seen Rocky Romero inside of a serious context here in the United States. Oh, but when you put Rapungi Vice together and you let them go out there and have a real tag team match... I thought they might have been the surprise of the night for anybody who'd never really gotten to see Rapungi Vice do their thing. I agree with you, but was it really a surprise? I'm not sure. Maybe to the fans that don't know him, absolutely. To the what AEW people- fans, to the Western sure. audience, I, I very much think this was a surprise. I don't think anybody, I, I think everybody was wondering why in the hell Rapungi Vice was even in this match. Yeah, no, you're right. They were there to eat the pin. I mean, and that's exactly what happened, unfortunately. You know what I'm saying? But uh, yeah, man, when them two are together, they're so much better together. You know what I mean? I mean, let's be honest. Trent is much better with Chico, our luchador. Or should I say Rocky Romero? I love Chico, our luchador, just quietly. Wait, no, they're two different people. Oh, yeah, sorry, my bad. You're right. I've seen them in the same place at the same time. He, he's yes. Cuban, I think Chico Al Luchador. Yeah. I don't know. But, he never uh, speaks English, so. True. That's true. But I'm pretty sure he's he's Cuban, if if I'm correct. But anyway, um, but Trent and and uh, and Rocky work great together, dude. I mean, they really work so well together. And why for, not? I'm all for Rapungi Vice once again, man. I used to be a fan of theirs in New Japan. For people but, who don't know, the reason Rapungi Vice broke up. There was no, like, terrible split or anything. No, there wasn't. Right. Trent went heavyweight. 
Right, and you right. couldn't have a heavyweight and a junior heavyweight together as a tag team. And so Trent started <laughs> tagging with Chuck Taylor. <laughs> and that's how the best friends were born. Right. Absolutely. Spot on. But inside of AEW, it doesn't matter because they don't have ridiculous rules like they do in New Japan. No, but again, right. that was never told. They, they, I don't understand why they continue to do this week in, week out. Why can't they tell... The fans, especially the ones that are not in the bubble, why and who are these guys, man? I don't, I just don't understand it. Did you see the countdown to Forbidden Door? I did. Why weren't every one of those video packages on Dynamite last week? You tell me. I mean, up until last week, was there really any sort of build when you think about it? There was more build on that half-hour show that nobody watched than there was yeah. over the course of basically the entire time the show was announced. I mean, I, you're right. It's true, man. They continue to do this all the time, man, and they just haven't rectified it yet. The United Empire were involved in this matchup. I didn't feel like Great Ocon translated the way that they had hoped. Uh, Jeff Cobb could be a star inside of AEW, and they talk about Jeff Cobb like he could be a star inside of AEW. I think they would really like Jeff Cobb to be a star inside of AEW, but Jeff Cobb really enjoys New Japan Pro Wrestling. 100% correct, and get this. Do you know how old Jeff Cobb is right now? He's, isn't he like late 20s, early 30s? <laughs> That's what I thought. Get this. He turns 40 in July. Are you serious? I kid you not, bro. Well, I guess. I yeah, couldn't his, believe he, it. I mean, he got started a lot later than he a did. lot of people. And think of this. He was at the Olympics in 2004 in Athens, right? That's what I'm, so, I'm saying. Like right. with, his, with his amateur work and whatnot, he got started a lot later. He so, did, yeah, he I guess really that did. does make sense. It's crazy, man. Damn, that's I, I, crazy. I was shocked. 39, turns 40 in one month, dude. Not even. Yeah, Great Ocon, I just feel like was kind of an also-ran, but <sighs> I'm, I kind of always feel that way about him. Is it just me, or is he turning into Torriano right now in, in, in a way? Like, if you get where I'm coming from. Um, but worse, yeah. but worse than, than Yano. Yeah. You remember Lazuka? Lazuka, Lazuka. I'm not sure. The crazy guy who ran around with Suzuki Goon retired a couple years back. He was oh, just yeah, absolutely the old guy, insane. The old guy you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and they, yeah, they yeah, like the turn him loose guy. on the audience. Right, right. Yeah, He'd yeah, go out. Course, and yeah. I feel like that's going to be Great Ocon in a couple years. Like, I just. Uh, I could see that, dude. You know what He's I mean? Bold. Does he join Suzuki Goon, though? Well, I mean, I just, I, I feel like he's going to be that kind of a character where it's just, uh, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Well, it, w it will work with him, man. Except he's nowhere near as big, though. No, no. But I mean, like the same kind of just like crazy right. unhinged. Nobody takes him seriously. Yeah, he's big, but that's about all he's got going for him. Like, I just, I, I feel like the great Ocon thing you, just doesn't. You know what he, yeah, it doesn't translate well. But you know what he comes across as for me? Like some creep, like that. that's like a rapist, like, you know. Stalking yeah, women in the bushes and shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he's like, like it's supposed to be like a Mongolian zombie. Uh, no, and I yes. just, I zombie? don't. Nah. Please. That's what the whole like question mark, like face yeah, no, thing just, is. A, and nah, yeah, it's just, no, it's just weird. It's just yeah. weird. No. Um, and then across the ring, of course, you have the winners of the matchup, FTR claiming belts number three. So now they have 
the Ring of Honor Championships. They have the Tag Team Championships. <laughs> and they have the IWGP World Heavyweight Tag Team Championships. If they do not come out on Dynamite tonight and call out the Young Bucks, um, I don't know what in the hell all of this was for. Can we just do it and, and put all the belts on FTR? And I'm I'm cool with that. I feel like FTR uh, do you, deserve that. Right. And it's going to be really cool for New Japan because but. I want to see FTR go through World Tag League. That's what I want. I want to see them as the defending champions go through World Tag League, but that's not until December. Right, so I right. feel like December and January, FTR are going to be taken up by New Japan Pro Wrestling. So I'm, I'm fine with putting the AEW tag team titles on FTR, even though the Bucks just won them, as long as we get the belts back right after Wrestle Kingdom to somebody else, whether it be Red Dragon, whoever is is ready for them. Because by that point, I'll be sick of the FTR belt collector things. But it would be kind of cool to see them running around with four sets of belts. I feel like they do deserve four sets of belts. I love FTR. I love everything about FTR. I want to see them go through World Tag League. That's what I want. And I don't know what we do in the meantime. Because my none of my plans for FTR really come to fruition until January, February. So was this the wrong time for them to win the IWGP? Yeah, kind of. I mean, I would have much rather seen them go through World Tag League without the titles and And win the titles inside of the Tokyo Dome. Right, right. I agree, I agree. But But if they have to lose them inside of the Tokyo Dome, so be it. Well, it's funny because uh, I'm glad you brought up about them winning the AEW World Tag Team Championships because I don't know if you watched the media scrum. No. Afterwards, well, there's a part where FTR are like they're talking with TK in the middle, right? And dude, they were looking at um, TK like, first of all, they were blowing smoke up his ass of the course. whole time, which was crazy. It was making me sick. But second of second of all, they were looking at TK like, so you're going to make that match happen? Are you going to give us the AEW tag team belts? Like they totally broke kayfabe, dude. Like they were looking at him like, come on, book us to win the AEW tag team championships and i just rolled my eyes i mean i guess or, it will be time and they were sucking his dick or is there an option where we do winner take all again and what have the bucks get ultra heat by winning everything you want to hit <laughs> i mean That'll they do great. have a I'll history for it. they do right. have a history with the ring of honor world tag team championships Absolutely. they've won those titles multiple times they've held all of them i believe they have raised their jerseys at the TGI Fridays in Tokyo, Japan yeah, yeah. for being, you know, seven-time IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions and two-time IWGP World Heavyweight, heavyweight. Tag Team Champions. Right. The AAA Tag Team titles, I mean, I'm sure that they're, they've held I'm at sure they some have. point. Sure they have. Right, they have. You know they what have I mean? So I can see the Bucks being like, oh, we're not just putting our titles on the line. Your titles are on the line too. And can you rule out the Young Bucks winning those titles? Because <laughs> the Young Bucks in the Tokyo Dome are going to draw more fucking people than Fuck FTR. Yeah. Like, no disrespect to FTR. I think they're the best tag team in the world. But in the 
in New Japan Pro Wrestling, you ain't the Young Bucks. No, you're not. And you know what's cool? I would actually go that way. I would actually have the Young Bucks beat them for a take If they want to heat, if they want to build fucking heat. And I'm oh, my God. You, and then they'd bring back those stupid white super kick titles that they had. <laughs> and, I mean, like, they would just be, like, making uh, up obnoxious. titles. So they're uh. walking around like fucking Ultimo Dragon and shit. <laughs> I can picture it, dude. Oh, I can picture Nick man. Jackson, especially, like, you know, eyes rolling at the back of his head. Absolutely. <laughs> I want that. You know what, man? Book it. I want that shit to actually happen. Let's go different. Let's not be so obvious for once, right? Why not have the Bucks win all the belts in one go? I mean, if that, if that match is made, I can absolutely see Matt Jackson saying, uh-uh. If we're putting <laughs> our titles on the line, you you're put putting your... your titles on the line, too. Yeah. Fuck it. And as they should, at the end of the day, when you think about it, the Ring of Honor taking championships are irrelevant. They're like a defunct Unless company. the Briscoes have them, those belts are irrelevant. Right, but right I mean, now, we don't even know if Ring of Honor is even going to be a no. thing at this point, dude. So, you know, at the end of the day, what are those title bouts right now? Nothing, really. They mean nothing. The triple R tag team bouts, sure, but they're Mexican. They Nothing gets Mexicans. I don't want to put it that way. I mean, they're just, they're Mexican wrestling bouts. It's not a world title. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not the same yeah, thing. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. And the IWGP ones are the ones that actually have the most sort of clout right now for FTR, in my opinion. So, yeah, in my opinion, have the, the AEW Tag Team Championships at this point would have to be worth all those. So, yeah, put all your belts on the line or else and have the Bucks win. It would be great. It would be mega heat. Oh, Everyone mega hates heat. the Bucks. It would be mega heat and the people would shit on them, bro. Because they, they already, there's a lot of fans that shit on them as it is, but people really want to really get shit. You know, they want to shit on the bucks real bad. And this is a good reason to actually shit on them. So why not? I'll, I'll go for it. Absolutely. The young bucks. There you go. Champions of the world. <laughs> Literally of the world. My God. <laughs> Disgusting. Let's talk about your pay-per-view opener. Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, Minoru Suzuki take on the team of Eddie Kingston, Wheeler Yuta, and the man I was most interested to see on this show, Shota Umino, uh, poor young shooter, ended up getting a fireball a little bit later on in the show. <laughs> but let me tell you, inside of this match, I thought shooter looked great. I thought Absolutely. he looked like a young, spry, dare I say, Hiroshi Tanahashi. I knew you were going to say that. Absolutely a young Tanahashi, and I was waiting for you to say that because I was like, say it, say it. Dude, he's got the potential to even be better than that. And that's saying something, bro. I'm telling you, Tanahashi's on a different level. But I don't know, man. I've always seen it with Shota, man. Even from the start, before he went on an excursion, there was something to this kid. He's got the look, man. He can go. And I think out of all the young Lions and all the Japanese wrestlers, he really understands that Western style of pro wrestling. Maybe... That excursion in England has really helped him because he's been there over excursion, shall we say. Yeah. But man, he's looking great. And I think he's the future of New Japan. He he very much reminded me of a young Hiroshi Tanahashi. And earlier in the night, we're, we're not going to really talk about the pre-show because I, I still haven't watched the pre-show. Yeah. Um, but Yuya Uemura, I know, was on that pre-show. And I feel like he could be the next Okada. 
So I, I, I feel like New Japan in very safe hands at this point with uh, a young Shota Umino and a Yuya Uamura. I think they've got two very big stars kind of in that crop uh, that's going to be coming up soon. What did you make out of this matchup? I mean, Kingston, as much as Kingston was involved in this match, as far as the baby faces go, I was really watching Shooter. I thought the, the I'm so ready to get past blood and guts at this oh. point. Cause I'm just, <laughs> I'm over this entire feud. I've been over this feud for weeks and I'm looking forward to Eddie Kingston and Claudio because like, to me, that was the much bigger story coming out of the pay-per-view is for anybody who doesn't know the story between Eddie Kingston and Claudio. I mean, that's the story <laughs> coming out of the pay-per-view right there. Right. I mean, that's that, the best, man. But that's what everybody's looking forward to at this point is, is Claudio and Eddie Kingston. Like, that's oh, what boy. we want to see is Claudio and Eddie Kingston. <laughs> one more time. Go. What do we want to see? I mean, see? why not? Right? We want to see Claudio and Eddie Kingston. That's what we want. And they did play up on it at the end of the pay-per-view. Absolutely. I'm, I, I completely agree. And that, to me, was much more interesting for both Claudio and Eddie Kingston than what they're doing tonight on Dynamite. I'm just, I'm over blood and guts. Me too. And unfortunately, though, the problem here is these group of wrestlers, obviously now you can add in Claudio, but this crop always, not just stale, but they face each other week in, week out in some different variation. It's been like this, it feels like, for like a year and a half now at least. Like, yeah, really, it's only been it. like what six months or something like that i mean entirely <laughs> too long but but think about it dude all these guys cannot get away f- from each other and especially ortiz and santana dude the poor lo- guys can't get away from jericho here's a, here, like, here's, legit. A great, here's a great one from past experiences how long until we get an interim <laughs> big champion um <laughs> It depends on how long uh, Pac decides to stay in the country this time. The first time that he, uh, you know, he misses a flight because he's uh, stuck over in the UK and can't get to the States, then we will have an interim All-Atlantic champion. You know what I would love to see, actually? That just made me think of something just now. Imagine Pac shits all over the All-Atlantic championship where he throws it away into the Pacific or something like that. Somewhere where it's not not Atlantic, right? And he says, what the hell is it, Tony? This is crap. I don't want this belt. It doesn't even represent all... uh, Well, it is all Atlantic, basically. You know, where he just goes on a tirade, dude. Tell me that wouldn't be funny. Well, I mean, he is a bastard. Right. I mean, why not go that... Because, fuck, what the hell is the All-Atlantic Championship? Really? Think about it. Obviously, TK does not understand geography. So why not play up on it? You know, it's funny. Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, Minoru Suzuki... I don't really remember much of anything of Sammy Guevara and Minoru Suzuki in this match. <laughs> Neither do I really. I don't it's remember funny, much of anything about Eddie Kingston and Wheeler Yuta in this match. The match that everybody wants to see is Chris Jericho versus Shota Umino in the Tokyo Dome. And it's got history though, dude. That's I know. Funny. And, and they did a great job of telling the history of Shooter and Jericho <laughs> And you know why? Because Jericho pays attention to the details like that. Right. He had to do it himself. Right. Jericho told them, hey, 
I want you to point this out. Like, we're building something here. And with the fireball later on in the night, clearly whatever we're building is going to continue. Is it going to be Forbidden Door 2? Is it going to be Wrestle Kingdom? Is it going to be King of Pro Wrestling? When are we going to get it? I want it. I need a Jimmy T. I need Chris Jericho versus Shota Umino with your fat dad as the referee. That's what I need. That's it. Give it to me, baby. Chris Jericho versus Shooter with red shoes as the ref. As the as his fat daddy, right? Yes, <laughs> yes. He's so fat, dude. Wow. Now you know what? I've got a feeling the forbidden door is not totally just shut just yet. I think. Do we possibly have Shoda doing an extended excursion in AEW right now? I mean, I can see that. I'm down I mean, for it. Not? Me I'm too. down for it. The only thing is, a lot of times, Jay White. It's a perfect example. Jay White goes on excursion to Ring wow. of Honor, and he comes in as this vanilla white meat baby face with a mohawk. Literally. like. Literally. By the time he gets back to New Japan Pro Wrestling, they're running vignettes and all this crazy shit. It was so crazy. Like, I thought it might be Sammy Callahan because um, it was so dark. And then Jay White shows up as the switchblade, and it's just like, this shit ain't never going to work. I know. I felt the same way too. I was like, "What the fuck?" And, You're right, and he came and, straight in, right? But they like to repackage talent when they return right. from excursion. If you put somebody like Shota on AEW TV, that's got to be the same character that comes back to New Japan, right? As much oh, crossover sure. as they have at this point. Absolutely. I think he's already like he knows what his character is at this point. I think New Japan do too. If you're going to have him Are as they just going to present eight? him as young Hiroshi Tanahashi? Because, I mean, the gear, the hair, the the style. I mean, the only thing missing was a sling blade. <laughs> yeah, they got to be careful. They, that's why I think, I don't know how long Tana has left, right? But maybe keep him away from New Japan for a while longer. Just slowly build him up to that Tana passing of the torch, if you know what I'm saying. How many times does Hiroshi Tanahashi have to pass the torch? I know, but at this point, that's the perfect torch to actually pass. But I, I mean, think. Tetsuya Naito, Kazuchika Okada, Kota Ibushi. Right. Like, he's the ace. It's he's still crazy. the ace. But it's he's still crazy. The ace. But I'm talking about a real passing of the torch where, you know, he walks off into the sunset. and He ain't never off. walking off into the sunset. You don't think so? No, I think Hiroshi Tanahashi is going to be Yuji Nagata. I think oh, I, I, I think nah. he's no, I do. I think he I think he is going to know, completely overstay his welcome, and, and that's no disrespect to Yuji Nagata. No, absolutely. But Yuji Nagata but... should have retired 15 years ago, and I think even Yuji Nagata. I mean, Muto is still going. He should have been gone. 15 years ago, and I'm right. talking about Muda, and, right? And, but, and I think yeah. Tana's going to be that way, too. I think you're going to have to peel him out of that wrestling ring. By comparison, Okada, when he's done, he's just going to be gone. You think so? Yeah, absolutely. What, what makes you say that? Because Okada doesn't work if you have to push him down the card. Okada, Okada is the top guy. He is the man who makes it rain money. He is the champion. He's not going to be one of the dads. <laughs> yeah, no, I can see that's that. Just, that's right. not Okada. 
Interesting, interesting. If Tana does overdo his stay, and it's getting to that point now, even it's creeping. When you think about it, right? He's still but cool for now, though. Every time you think, right, every right. Every time you think, dude, man, I could have done three years ago, honestly. Every at one time point. you think, oh man, he's just he ain't got it anymore. But he came back, and strong. then he goes, wins the G one, or right, then right. he goes and he wins the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. True, or, I mean, it's just, he goes out and he has a four-star match with John Moxley. And, and he's a I, broken guy, man. He's, luck f- f- fumbles to the ring, man. When just, you think about it. His he's knees broken, are shot. Dude. But Absolutely. over the course, as his body has deteriorated, he has become so much smarter when it comes to pacing and psychology. And- he was a high flyer originally, dude. So, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we saw Liger do the same thing where, you know, he goes from doing 900s off the top of a fucking cage to becoming one of the best mat technicians that you've ever seen because his body just couldn't take it anymore. You know, Osprey has done it where he has slowed down and and he's learned to sell more in the pacing of his matches and when to bust out that, oh my God, did you just see that kind of move? The most impressive thing I saw Shota Umino do in this match was throw a drop kick. <laughs> and he can throw that drop kick for the next 25 years. Better than Okada's, though? No. Yeah, no. Okada's got the best drop kick in the business, dude. But that drop kick that Okada throws has also taken quite a toll on his knees. And the way that Shooter throws that drop kick is the same way Tanahashi throws a drop kick and Fuck he lands sort of flat drop. on his back instead of coming down on his knees. True, it's a good point. Yeah, you know, you're right. It's almost more like a shotgun drop kick yeah. than, a, than a standard drop kick where he's leaning flat back versus coming down with his knees smacking right, the freaking right. mat like Okada's have. And if you watch that documentary on New Japan World about Kazuchika Okada, they show him getting shot up in his knees with cortisone literally right before he walks through the curtain. Like his knees are hurting already and he's only like 30... 35? I think he's younger than that even. 32, 33, possibly. I could be wrong. I could be wrong because then again, I didn't think Jeff Cobb was 40 in July. So, I mean, that's that's crazy. But uh, did you get it? Have you already got it up? He's 34. Oh, so yeah, you were right. I said 33, 32. You said 34. So yeah, spot on. Damn it, man. I remember when he was in his late 20s, like it was well, yesterday. The pandemic has robbed a lot of these guys of basically three years of their careers. Well, yeah, when you think about it. I mean, did you see Tana during the pandemic? He was a fat fuck, dude. Oh, yeah, Jay White was calling him out for being a fat piece of shit. And I mean, Jay White is like one of the only people on the face of the planet that can call out Hiroshi Tanahashi for being (laughs) fat. Oh, dude, you know what else is great? Speaking of, of Jay White, again on the media scrum, Dude, he dropped his title belt, his title belt, the IWGP, by accident, right? But he stayed in total character, right? Where he's like, fucking pick pick up my fucking belt. Like, he's losing his shit. And TK legitly looked like he was shitting himself, dude. Like, I'm sorry, is everything okay, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, don't worry, Tony. All good. He's tapping him like, don't worry. I'm selling, bro. <laughs> don't, don't stress. But it looked so funny and it was so awkward. You got to see it, bro. You got to check that out. It is fucking hilarious. And it starts off the show straight away with that. I'll have to check that out. You've got to check it that. out. All right, Jimmy T, anything else you want to talk about as far as Forbidden Door goes? I mean, all in all, 
I thought this was a really good show. Uh, mostly I because mostly it. because I was expecting to be disappointed in this show. Um, and well, all in all, I was pretty happy with what I got. I I was more than happy. I mean, I got the pay per view, so I mean, I was legitly happy. And uh, I mean, for me, like, look, this pay per view meant different things for different fans, right? For right. us, you know, we were looking forward to something like this. Sure, it wasn't the perfect pay per view, but I'd give it an eight out of ten, no less. You know what I mean? And the pre show, the best pre show anyone's ever done was this pre show. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go back and watch the pre-show because I've heard uh, some things that don't make me very happy about the pre-show. But that's that's okay. That's okay. When I say the best pre-show, I'm not talking about with how shit was booked, but more so the type of matches, and they were kind of good. Like, I mean, I loved the hook match. I mean, the biggest issue that I have, number one, is the way that they went off the air with the pre-show. Um, yeah, yeah. Like that doesn't sell that. pay-per-views. Um, and I, I don't understand how even four on two, the LA dojo loses to Max Caster and Billy Gunn. Um, <laughs> not, not a big fan of that. Uh, two but, seconds, bro. but the, the biggest disappointment that I have heard that I will have with watching the pre-show is the way that El Desperado was presented. Um, El Desperado has been the second biggest star inside of their junior heavyweight division. And all of a sudden Kushida's back and now El Desperado back to being half of the bad dads with Yoshinobu Kanemaru. Yeah. And and that's disappointing. Although Despi pulled off a great match though. He done well in his match. That's what Despi does. I, I, I feel like El Desperado is the most underrated wrestler in the world. But That's, yeah, you're spot on. But you're right, man. Straight back down the pecking order he goes. Unfortunately, man, because yeah. 2022 was his year up until very this disappointing. Point. Very disappointing. Uh, Jimmy T, anything else you want to plug, promote, put over before we get out of here? Well, for five bucks, you can check us out right here on channelattitude.com. So don't be don't be tight. Pay up five bucks, and you can see our good looking mugs. Also, like and subscribe at Hamid Media Group. And uh, I think that covers it. Oh, and the blowoffpod.com. Of course, yes, blowoffpod.com. Jimmy T and I will be back in your ear holes tomorrow over at the Blow Off, which you can also find over on the affiliate feed for the Hami and Media Group. Just search Hami and Media Group on your favorite podcast listening device. We'll be back in your ear holes talking about all the fallout from Forbidden Door and whatever in the world is going on inside of the WWE that's not Vincent Kennedy McMahon's pecker. Um, I'll, I'll look to see whatever we can find to talk about there as well. Keep up with me across social media platforms at NotJargo at underscore DJ SFX underscore for Jimmy T. We will be back in your ear holes tomorrow at the blow off on Twitter, blowoffpod.com. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya. Sayonara.